Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I have now read this story repeatedly and I'm not quite sure what the problem is. Newsmax reporting that Trump officials had proposed, when they were in office, using 250,000 troops to lock down the border. And I guess my argument is his supporters would have loved it. People would have said, finally, somebody taking the border seriously. Let me add to it this story right here from Fox News. Border arrests have hit the highest level since 1986's amnesty bill. That's the days of Ronald Reagan for those of you playing the home game. U.S. authorities have detained more than 1.7 million migrants at the border, U.S.-Mexico, during fiscal 2021, which ended in September, by the way. That's, that's how they do the fiscal calendar there in the federal government. Border Patrol made 1.69 million arrests nationwide in 1986. But that data doesn't show how many were made uh, along the border. So this is just at the border. But it's not a crisis, according to Jen Psaki. I can't play any more Jen Psaki total failure clips. Uh, she has just had the worst couple of weeks, and it, it, is, it is all on her 100 percent all on her she does this to herself because as a as an elitist as somebody totally disconnected totally disconnected from the people and from rational thought and from from understanding how she comes across she she's very tone deaf she just believes in her own comedy, believes in her own uh, elitism, believes in her own snobbery. It's, it's not because I say so. It's because, well, listen to her. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It is so good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Would I think that if Trump said we have to do something to secure the border and here's how we're going to do it? Now, there's the, of course, argument of whether or not you can have U.S. troops deployed in such a way on U.S. soil. That would be a conversation. I don't say no to that. But let me give you how the rundown here. It was talk uh, at the Department of Homeland Security. This is spring of 2020. The idea was uh, to uh, that more than half the active U.S. Army would be at the border. Now, the New York Times is who's reporting this, so you have to take that as a grain of salt. I have the story from Newsmax. They're reporting on the reporting from the New York Times. When it's the New York Times, you never know what is legit. They have proven themselves to be untrustworthy. They are all the news that they see fit to print, not all the news that's fit to print. So Trump had also suggested that the military send troops into Mexico to hunt down drug cartels. But others thought it might be seen as an act of war against a close ally and our biggest trading partner. I don't know if that's true. As a matter of fact, I wonder if it would have been welcomed. Now, let's take this from from a different standpoint, a conversational one. This isn't him having a conversation about light 
and COVID in front of the world. This is a conversation that took place amongst the President of the United States and his military advisors and Homeland Security. This is exactly where a conversation like this should take place. Let me say that again. There's nothing wrong with this conversation. There's nothing wrong with the context of this conversation. The President of the United States asking legal and, and, and military advisors, hey, is there a reason we haven't done this or we can't do this? Why can't we do this? Explain it to me. Walk me down the path. That's what, you, that's what those people are there for. To give that information so the President can make a decision. The article goes on about Trump wanting to, to secure uh, the, the, the border. That he was trying to think of different ways to stop people. Then, of course, there was the idea of whether or not there was a conversation about a moat filled with alligators. Now, if you ask me if I'm opposed to a moat filled with alligators, I am not. I just don't think that that um, is very nice to the alligators. According to the Times, there was also a heat ray that was considered. Look, we have a lot of these technologies that are are non-lethal, but are very uncomfortable. If it's searing heat, you're not necessarily going to get through. But the troop presence would have involved a sixth of all American forces. It would be the largest use of the military inside the U.S. since the Civil War. They decided uh, against it. Mark Esper couldn't even fathom the idea and how dare anybody go past his office if we're talking about the Secretary of De- the then Secretary of Defense? So let's go back to the basics. Is there any problem with asking this question? Of course not. Do you need the U.S. military at the border? I don't actually think so, but... And I think that's where a lot of Americans are. How else does this get stopped? How do you change this? Because the system we have doesn't work, and it is far too lousy with people who don't believe in borders to begin with. Open borders, people in charge of the border, means open borders. And that involves people at Homeland Security and at state, and in all sorts of ways, within and ensconced in federal government in these lifer positions. If you really want to drain the swamp, you have to start by firing a good 30, 40, 50,000 people. Goodbye. We'll replace you with others. You know what? Think of it like talk radio. We make the budgets less and less, and you have to do more with less. Have a good day. By the way, that's... If you you ask anybody in talk radio, that is like a perfect explanation. (laughs) An absolutely perfect explanation. You'd fire, if you were really going to drain the swamp, you'd fire tens of thousands of people who are impediments to solutions. Because what they have is ideological desires and they're in these positions that keep them secure even if you were to talk about the secretary of state's office okay we have a secretary of state and it's uh mike pompeo that's conservative that mike pompeo is but if you have lifers who aren't going to get fired working in opposition to the secretary of state well what do you have what do you really have 
Same thing is true with the, 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 the levels of government lawyers and everything else. You, you have to remove them. If you have people working against the United States and wanting to have an open border and supporting those organizations that move aggressively, absolutely aggressively, to try and teach people how to lie and make the claim that they are uh, in the country, you know, that, that they're uh, refugees when they're not, how to lie to get into the United States. Well, if, if you're not able to fight those people, if you're not able to remove those people, you're going to have a hard time getting things done. So maybe the answer is, well, we need some troops at the border. We're going to close this thing and we're going to make this thing work. They tried that uh, before and it was a disaster. I don't argue that it would be successful. The question is, can it be tried? They did after 9-11 and it was, a, a, it was truly a disaster. I just read an article about this yesterday. It's so weird. First, anything that happened 20 years ago is not what happened today. Secondly, the life of George Bush is not the life of Donald Trump. Third, what kind of goals were trying to be implemented? Well, no, the issue was that the Border Patrol job is 98% boring, and you're sitting around kind of watching an empty space, and the training is much different than it is for the military. And so it's not getting paid much. So the issue was that corruption became rampant because... They had to get people down there, and they couldn't train them properly, and the cartels pretty much paid off people. The amount of unnecessary unjustified killings went up. The training that goes into Border Patrol, you can't just throw 10,000 people at it and ask them to do it. Like it's, it's a much more specified craft than we are led to believe. Well, allow me to disagree with you in multiplicity of ways because we're on two different conversations. I'm not discussing the training of Border Patrol. I am discussing how you deal with an enemy that believes that they are in charge. And we should be clear that the cartels and others who want to enter the country illegally are the enemy. Just like there are enemies from within. Those people who want to teach uh, those at the border how to lie and say that they're refugees. Those people who work against the the uh, needs and, and values of the United States to move their open border policies. I've discussed a series of things. But when we see cartel members shooting into the United States, I want to set up a couple of divisions and I want to shoot back. Let's see what they do. The argument is not, oh, it didn't work once. You can't do it again. That is a lousy argument. The better argument is what is it that we are trying to accomplish? And I believe what we need to try to accomplish at the border is a system of ensuring that only those we know of get into the country. And ensuring to the best of our ability that those trying to sneak into the country suffer consequences that are great. So much so that most people fear sneaking into the country. The idea that, well, there's nothing we can do about it. Well, it's too much. Well, we can't do this. Well, we can't do that. I do not ascribe to any of those theories. None. I uh, look for what ideas we can still try. Let's give it a go. Let's put our best foot forward as long as we have an objective that we can recognize. The objective is to have immigration into the United States. 
The objective is to eliminate, to the very best of our ability, illegal immigration. And our objective is, when anybody tries to physically fight us or shoot into the United States, we kill them, we kill their parents, we kill their children, and we kill their gardener. We kill their dry cleaner. We kill their auto mechanic. Anybody associated with them, so everybody learns not to shoot into the United States. I'm a man of of planning and goals and writing it down and being completely unafraid or unashamed of saying the words. I'm unafraid and unashamed of saying the words. Training Border Patrol is difficult. I don't disagree. But if we were to engage levels of force against those people looking to destroy us, you'd see more people wanting to be Border Patrol agents because they see, oh, look, we're serious about this. And let's make sure we engage proper, good, smart, valuable training. I'm not disagreeing with that, Producer Ari. No, I just, I I read this whole article about Border border Patrol. It's a way more unexciting job than we think. And I just, people don't like it. And that's why the corruption You should imagine how some people think about Radio Producer. I don't, at least I'm being interacting with somebody. I'm not monitoring it. 10 mile patch you're making it you're making a judgment of that you have and putting it on somebody else no i'm not this was the article this is why they have such a hard time getting people to stay in the job that aren't corrupt and i just said if you showed them that you had their back more people would be interested maybe you're gonna have to pay them more but that still isn't the problem oh we have many problems i agree focusing on what they are i think matters and how to solve them matters but let's talk about the biggest one Do we want to be a nation with borders or not? I say yes. And I don't believe that any uh, illegal immigrant, migrant from Honduras or Guatemala or Mexico or Colombia or Haiti or anywhere else around the globe or Sweden has a right to enter the country. I don't give a damn what you demand. I'd rather tell you to go to hell in front of you and your kids. How dare you tell us what you demand? Yo, no one cares. You're under the delusion that the United States of America is supposed to care about that. You are supposed to recognize that if you have the opportunity to get in the United States, you're supposed to be grateful and thankful for it. Now it's you have to let me in and when I'm in you have to give me this and that and this and that and what? This is the only meal I get? How dare you? I'm going to turn that mother right around. Change the whole game. Attitude is everything. And this attitude has been allowed to persist because of those groups at the border who teach people to lie and think America is the enemy. America is the enemy and people are willing to die to get here. Maybe we're not the enemy. Maybe the people who keep talking about America as the enemy are just full of garbage. Full of red hot garbage. This is why, uh, this, is, or this is how we all know that America is not a racist nation. Look at what these Haitians are willing to do to get here. Look at what people from Honduras are willing to do to get here. To a racist nation. It's garbage. And that's why these people have to be rooted out. And that's why it's a fine conversation to have a conversation about the military at the border. It didn't happen. But I think America would be very okay with it. 
And if you have a problem with fighting back against cartels, including sending troops into Mexico to hunt them down and kill them, well, you don't care about children. See what I did there? I felt good. I felt really, yeah, use that one. Feel free. Feel free and then be like, thank you, cats. Good call. Good call. Keep it right here, guys. I'm Tony Katz. I love this story out of Seattle. Firefighters and police officers that were let go for not complying with vaccine mandates, feeding the homeless. They, they, they set up a, a whole line, and they're just going to feed people who, who need food. There, it is important to remember that there are thankless jobs in the world. But people choose them. And, and when you choose a, a thankless job, I reject the idea that you can complain to me that it's thankless. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, so good to be with you. You, you, you made the choice. That's a good take. I like that. You, 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 get, you get what I'm saying? You made a, a decision and uh, you, you got you to gotta live with that. So I don't, I don't uh, get myself too too worked up uh, about that. It's it's like the old line from 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 airplane. Bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. I love that line. <laughs> I use that line all the time. But these. Officers, these firefighters, they didn't want to lose their lose their job because they don't want to take a vaccine, but they still want to do the work. It might be a thankless job, but they are driven by this idea of wanting to help. Now, maybe they're driven by something else for all I know. But very often the people in these positions are driven by the concept of this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what makes me a full and complete person. I believe this of of a fair amount of people who run for political office. Not everybody is a giant jerk. That's an ugly thing to say. Some people really want to do good. They believe that, sure. They want to do well. They want to make a difference. Some people get corrupted. Some people see a way to make a dollar. Uh, That's what happens when you stick around too long. And sticking around too long seems to have gotten to less and less and less time. If I ever get there, I'll let you know. If I ever get there, I'll let you know. They lose their job because they won't take a vaccine, but they're still feeding the homeless. In Seattle, where they're hated. That's a special group of people. This is Tony Katz today. So producer Ari was just mentioning that he's been watching this uh, this thing about the the Clinton impeachment and and Monica Lewinsky and um, is it on FX? 
Yeah, it's by the people who did the uh, the O.J. Simpson thing. So it's American Crime Story impeachment. Okay, it's really well done. Like I strongly recommend it. But he he was commenting that you know if you take a look at the press coverage of the way they treated Monica Lewinsky versus the way they treated Bill Clinton, you would think Monica Lewinsky was the aggressor. I know. You it's would think nuts. that you would think that Monica was the worst person in the world. Tony Katz, so great to be with you guys. Tony Katz today, Facebook Tony Katz Radio. Twitter, Parlor, Instagram, Tony Katz, and everything at TonyKatz.com. But this is a continuing story, and I will tell you that I was I was younger, you know, when 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 that took place. I don't even think you were born. No, I that. was I was seven. Okay. Oh God, uh, I I didn't realize. Um, so I, I was too young to really understand the coverage. But if you take a look at the coverage of Monica Lewinsky at the time. And there are two ways to look at it. Uh, the first one is take a look at the way Britney Spears was covered. Take a look at the way um, a lot of women get covered. And there is this, this weirdness that goes on that if, if the Me Too movement did any good whatsoever, it was about sharing how these things are covered and a recognition of doing it wrong. Now, I have, I have done like 360s on, on the Lewinsky issue because I have always said that Bill Clinton abused his office, Bill Clinton abused his power, and what Bill Clinton did to this woman is despicable. But then I came around to the idea only in the past couple of years that, you know, she was a grown woman. She knew what was going on. But he was the president of the United States. And I came back to it. Oh, okay. I don't want to make a claim that she is completely innocent. So I have maneuvered that differently. I, I, I have come to a different understanding of that. But none of it changes the fact that... Bill Clinton is guilty of sin and a terrible, disgusting guy. And so, by the way, is his wife. In no other setting or situation could you have someone as awful, as terrible, as ugly, as vicious as Bill and Hillary Clinton and still find them beloved in our parts of America and in the apparatchik, the, the, the uh, journalistic apparatchik, the educational apparatchik, celebrity, etc. The media machine, man. The leftist machine. It's the same, you know what I meant. Yes, but I want to make sure that we're discussing it properly. The media machine is real. The question is, are you going to be a part of it or not? When we talk about support for people that you like and content that you like, this is what we're talking about. Not just supporting those people, growing these things out so you understand who has the ability to engage conversations. What we want is news, not this. When Joy Behar sings the praises of Hillary Clinton, isn't it obvious that Joy Behar doesn't know what the bloody hell she's talking about? Isn't it obvious that Joy Behar is okay with women being sexually abused as long as Hillary Clinton is her friend? Isn't it obvious that Joy Behar does not give a good holy damn what happens to women anywhere as long as it doesn't hurt Democrats? If it hurts Democrats, you know, just put it to the side. If it hurts Republicans, then we can talk about it. It is a weird thing 
to watch an entire political party hear about somebody being sexually abused and then say, wait, was it was it by a Democrat? Because then I, hmm, hmm, was the skirt too short? Hmm, 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 what the hell? What the bloody hell? But that's what happens with the Clintons. It is stunning. Absolutely stunning. You can make the argument that what Donald Trump said to Billy Bush on the Access Hollywood tape was, oh my gosh. Although my mother said, I've heard your father say worse. I, by the way, that, that, that's what she said. Your father said worse probably today. But if you're offended by it, that's totally fine. That's something he said. Bill Clinton did this while on our dime. By the way, that's why he should have been removed from office. I don't actually care about the impropriety. I don't care what two adults decide to do. Even though if we're going to engage the Me Too movement conversation, this was absolutely about power over somebody. You don't care about the perjury? Oh, no. Dude, dude. Uh, Of course. Uh, Please. People who lie under oath should be in jail. We, we have a system, and if you, if you so subvert the system, you should not be thought of in any decent way whatsoever. My point, however, is larger. I don't care what you do on your off hours. What you do on my time matters greatly. And this is what it was done on my time. And I am most offended by that. You're right, producer Ari. Perjury is worse. But screwing around on my time, on my dime, I'm not happy about it. I always assume the president is wasting my tax dollars doing something. Well, now I'm not, I'm not the cynic you are, and I have, I have greater demands than you. Speaking of wasting tax dollars, the January 6th committee has subpoenaed Steve Bannon. And Steve Bannon's like, no thanks. I'm good. I'm not showing up. And so now they are, have voted to, uh, to uh, hold him in contempt. And my answer is bring him in. F- bring him in. I want you to cuff him, and I want you to bring Steve Bannon in immediately. Why? Because when Steve Bannon is sat down in front of the January 6th committee, it's going to be the most entertaining four, five, six, seven hours you ever saw in your life. That's not what I wanted to play. I was so close. Oh, it's no fun if you play the wrong sound effect. I don't think it's going to be entertaining, dude. It's going to be a show, and allow me to tell you why. Steve Bannon wants this moment. Now, it's been a good long time since I've spoken to Steve Bannon. It's been quite a few years since we've had dinner. It's been quite a few years since we've seen each other at a conference and just chatted what's going on. I have said on this program, as clear as day, the idea of Steve Bannon as anti-Semite is nonsense. It's nonsense. It's a lie. Steve Bannon does not do things the way I would do things in terms of how you share a conversation and the value of one. 
Steve Bannon likes to look for fights. He likes it. I've never been that type. I ain't afraid of a fight. But I'm not out there looking for one. I'm out there to engage my conversations and win people over that way. I don't like how Steve treated Breitbart after Andrew Breitbart died and how he ran it, and I didn't write there. But Steve Bannon wants to fight. Steve Bannon loves the fight. Steve Bannon is relishing the opportunity to look Liz Cheney in the eye and call her every name he can think of and a couple he just that just come to his head. Adam Kinzinger, the representative from Illinois, I wouldn't be surprised if he physically throws a cup at him. The Democrats in that committee, do you know how Steve Bannon is going to savage these people? You think it's going to be all sweet and loving? You think it's going to be, well, yes, congressman. Oh, no, congressman. It's going to be, you're an affront to American society. You're a communist. You're a cheap piece of trash. Why don't you go to hell and you go to hell? Your mother can go to hell. Your father can go to hell. It's going to be a show. He cooperated with Mueller. It's going to be amazing. By the way, producer Ari, you have gotten full on mouthy in the past couple weeks. Did you just say that he cooperated with Mueller? He met with him multiple times. Who was president of the, of the United States at the time? Trump. Okay, we're done here. I don't understand. What's the difference? The point is, is that he doesn't have the guy in office to worry about. He has an entire base of people who listen to his radio shows and will buy his stuff to deal with. Oh, what do you think he's going to do? That's a good point. I don't, I, I don't know why. I thought I brought up a good point. I thought you brought up a better point. He is going to go. He's going to be out of his head. It's going to be the greatest of greatest shows on planet Earth. So when they subpoena him, I bring it. I want you to arrest him. I want you to frog march him right in. And then let him go to work. Do you think he knows anything? Well, I, I guess I, that would be like, like, what do you think? This is about the January 6th committee, right? So they're, they're making the argument that Bannon, by tweeting out, tomorrow's going to be the, the, the biggest thing you ever saw. Tomorrow's going to be a, a day to remember. That's proof of insurrection. Oh, I think boy. that's the kind of uh, thing that, you know, they use to promote the fire festival. And you're going to pull a muscle reaching for that one. That's what, but that's what they're saying. That's dumb. That's what they're pushing for. So the answer is, does he know anything? Here's, and they, you would assume that they would already know it. That somewhere this committee already has the emails and the phone records, except from the president. They, they've got other ones. So they would already know some things. They would already be able to see some communications, some communications. They're going to, uh, you know, they already have some of that basic info. So what in the world could they, unless they have Steve Bannon dropping off a pallet of bricks that has a sign on it that says, use for January 6th insurrection and coup attempt, and a picture of him next to the bricks with a thumbs up. What do they have? Gats. They ain't got nothing. But of course, that's what they have. They have nothing. And that Liz Cheney and, and Adam Kinzinger don't understand how wrong they are is, is really something. Because they're wrong. If they want to make the argument that January 6th was disgusting, it's a fine argument to make. 
if they want to make an argument that Republicans should be more horrified by what they saw and they should be speaking out more about it, also you can make that argument. You can absolutely make that argument. Donald Trump is guilty of insurrection and it was a coup attempt? Good Lord. I mean, it's like listening. I was playing this uh, from Charlemagne the God, who's a radio host, and now he does uh, TV. And uh, he's uh, he was there on, on Colbert. And, and listen to this guy. On the agenda is... Uh... By the way, this is the guy who Biden said, if you don't know whether to vote for me or Trump, you ain't black. And I thought the line of lines when he was doing that interview was when Biden said, I have to end it. He said, oh, no, you can't, an interview, you can't end an interview with a black man. Well, I can't? That's something else. But listen. What, what we're calling the cowardly donkeys, which is the cowardice of the Democratic Party. Mm. Yes. And if, if what should they be doing that they're not? Well, I feel like, you know, if they don't stop being, you know, cowards, then I think that, you know, we're really, really looking at the death of democracy as we know it. Like, I mean, four simple things, you know, four, four simple things the Biden administration could do to protect democracy. Number one, you got to protect voting rights. Right. You got you just simply got to. Uh, Number two, you, you have to protect, uh, pack the Supreme Court, right? Number three, you have to end the filibuster so you can govern, right? And, and number four, you have to make an example out of the people who attempted a coup of this country on January 6th. I, I mean, this is the guy you agree with, Liz Cheney. Someone who thinks that the filibuster shouldn't be allowed because you, the minority party, shouldn't have a say. Someone who believes in packing the court, so you, the minority party, never have a voice. And someone who refers to a guy dressed as a centaur as someone leading a coup. At what moment, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, do you say to yourself, holy crap, I'm on the wrong side of this conversation. But I still don't like what happened. That's the side of the conversation you should be on. That's the side of the conversation you should be on. I would ask Charlemagne, as, as, as I have, um, all those uh, riots and the Chaz Chop and everything else that took place in Minneapolis and Seattle and Portland, um, do those things uh, have an effect on democracy? Or was it just fine? I mean, if we're going to talk about all of it, we should talk about all of it. I'm Tony Katz. So never mind the fact that Jen Psaki doesn't understand supply chain. She wants to laugh at the issues of the supply chain. Now we're hearing about panic ordering that is going to make the supply chain issues even worse. Even worse. Well, it's not going to help. In no way, shape, or form is it going to help. The supply chain issues are indeed Biden-related issues, but they are also long-standing issues about how we deal with our ports and who's in charge of our ports. These are huge, huge issues, and it's going to take more than a day to solve them. We should not be surprised, but what we have to do 
is actually solve them. We have to tell the union, the longshoremen, sorry, you don't get to not automate. We need the system to move faster. You don't get to not work on weekends or nights. We need the system to work faster. And by the way, I could be told that, well, just because you want 24-7 on the ports doesn't mean that it makes sense. What if we don't need 24-7 at the ports? What if we need 24-6? Or 19-7? Couldn't there be another way? When Biden just says, oh, we're going to have the ports open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that doesn't solve anything. Still need the people. But you do need the automation. You do need to change the systems to make them more efficient and more valuable for us. And it is a national security issue, so that's the end of that. And that's what this administration should be working on. It's a big deal. It's important. By the way, uh, producer Ari took exception to me calling him mouthy, but I didn't mean it the way he took it. I meant he was chiming in a lot. Not that he was rude. Yeah, all right. That's what I meant. Like, lately, you're just all over it, so I don't know what's happening. Has married life done this to you? I've been married for a year. Yeah, I know, but but you now need somebody to listen to you because nobody else is listening to you. Is that what's happening? You don't even listen to me. True enough. Tomorrow, everyone, I'm Tony Katz. Take care.